Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. Lots of chat and guests to come over the next couple of hours. But let's begin today with Back to School. I see them making their way back since late last week and uh, this morning again. And tomorrow and the next day, I know an awful lot of children begin school and start for the very first time. We're going to talk about uh, taking off in school and beginning on that ladder that takes many people way into their lives with one of our good friends on Late Lunch. He's the founder of SineadCavanagh.ie, Director of Wellness, Professional Coach, Assisting Adults and Supporting Parents and some need support more than others at this time, Sinead Kavanagh. Have you any recollections first off? I have very little of my first day at school. I remember coming into the classroom we were in prefabs. I remember that. I think I started on the second day. Mm. Um, because I think it might have been something to do with the whole, you know, the dates and all the rest of it. And I was a November baby. So I started the second day and there was already kids in the class that seemed they were really, really with it. And I thought, oh, God, how are they? And it turned out there was about nine kids in the class had been held back because they had been brought in the previous year and they were just a little bit too young. Mm. So they were already, so they had the year under their belt. They knew what they were doing. And the rest of us were all terrible green. <laughs> and I remember there were straws and those little twirly things that just stuck the straws on like a spoke. Yes. Um, and that's what we sat down to do. And Miss Murphy was my was my teacher. What school so did do, you start? I do remember. I don't know whether it was second day, third day, but yeah. I know it was that first week. What school, school was it that you began in? What was your first school? So I'm originally from... I'm a Jackine originally. Yeah. So I, I went to Our Lady Help of Christians. I think it was... Mary Helper Christians, Mary, one was the church and one was the school, let them yeah. you know. Mm. One was, I think Mary Helper Christians, Mary Helper Christians on the Navan Road, and John Bosco's was the boys' school attached to it. We used to call it the H block because there was a hall in the middle and it looked <laughs> like a H. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and listen, had and you the Spud benefit? and Nick, sorry, I'm just thinking Spud and Nick, that was the principal of, and the principal of each school. They were married. Um, we used to call them Spud. And I, I can't remember. Miss Murphy, Murphy was their name, and we used to call them Spud and Nick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the names. Now, oh, I know it's great, isn't it? Had you the benefit because this is something that I was thinking about. Like I was even before you, and I do remember my first day vaguely like yourself. I went to um, to uh, St Vincent's School in Drogheda. The Sisters of Charity uh, ran that yeah. school. They're no longer there, and I remember my mam leaving me in the first day. Not much more ab- about that really, but I can still I pass the building regularly, and I think of my first day at school. But here's the thing. Had you benefit of, were you at, you know, what they call now play school or kindergarten or that type well, of thing? it's funny you ask me that because as I was saying, I went into the classroom and the others all had a year under their belt. I had gone to 
I think she might have been Montessori, right? But at the time, I don't know whether it was even called that, but there was this lady. I can't remember what her actual name was, but I know I called her Mrs. Freckleface because she terrorised me. (laughs) Now, I'm sure she was the most lovely woman in the world, but I went to remember the house. It was one of those old, uh, you know, the 1950s houses Yes. Um, with the, the circular porchway oh, yes, yeah, and yeah. the two little pillars mm. it was to, up to a door like that and when I went in there was loads of kids now there was probably about seven or eight kids but there was loads of kids and mum sent me with a little treat I think it might have been like a Cadbury's you know the little Cadbury skinny bars or something mm. and when I came in she said to me that that treat went up on top of the television until it was treat time and of course I was like, well, I think I'd like just to mind that now myself, thanks. And this boy came over, I remember, and he was so full of himself. Now, he was only the same age as me, but he was, you're not supposed to touch that or whatever. But I remember sitting in the corner in the hall, really not wanting to be there. Now, I'd say I was maybe three and a half mm. or thereabouts. And I had a little brother who'd only arrived three years between myself and my little brother. And I had... He had, I'd say, I felt, I'd say, looking back, I probably thought I was being dumped, do you know, because yeah. I wasn't wanted anymore because it was a new baby. And I'd say that was all, you know, the way you try and think back mm. now and you go, but I know I was distraught and I didn't want to, ha- I wasn't having any of it at all. Mm. And I cried and cried and cried and cried. And I think I might have lasted two days. But you see, um, you got off on the wrong foot with the chocolate. But that leads me into a question I wanted to ask you. Do you believe that, you know, with uh, children going preschool, let's call it, most go nowadays before they actually start in infants in mainstream school. So that surely has to be a fantastic help to them. It does, because what it does is it helps children to socialise. So socialisation is a massive part in in our development, especially in childhood development. There's so much happens in the first 12 years of their lives, more than it'll ever happen in the rest of their life. Everything that happens in the first three years of their life, anything else on top of that is second. All their firsts happen then. You know, I remember saying this in a TY school and one of the young was saying, oh, what about driving a car? And I said, well, you left the hospital, I said, on wheels. Mm. Whether it was in the wheels of a car or the wheels of a buggy, that's your first, you've had that sensation and experience of fluid motion of, of a wheel. So everything that we learn in the first three years of our lives is so fundamentally important in setting down a solid foundation for all the other learning that will come in life. And so when they start to realise at the age of about three that they're not the centre of the world and that there is there are more kids around, um, that's a bit of a culture shock. Mm. And in the Montessori or the preschool setting, they learn the elements of being able to be in society. Mm. And that's really, really important because if it's a healthy experience, then they are healthy, well-adjusted kids who grow up to be healthy, well-adjusted adults. Mm. When they don't have such a healthy experience of it, you know, in case they were a little bit quiet and there was a bit of bullying, it wasn't wasn't taken up, which is why they're such an important on the early years interventions, the early years education. And those people who provide that they need to be recognised in the same way as our teachers. There's no difference to them. They have the same qualifications. They have to have the same schooling and education. And what they're doing at the age in which they're dealing with those kids 
is incredibly important for the development that makes it easier for the teachers that are coming along in the primary and post-primary schools. Now let's talk uh, in the theoretical world of say somebody who's starting these days child is starting mainstream school and it is a change again no matter what you say about Montessori or preschool you're going into the official system and it can be an anxious time because they are making a change they may have been a year or two in the previous now they're going into a school and they're meeting new people as well parents are anxious too Sinead right so you have perhaps anxiety what do you say to people today who are starting in the next few days with the little ones what's your advice I think the important thing to remember is is that um, any change, any life, any milestone in life requires a shift. It requires a shift in your modus operandi. It, uh, you know the way you you do things. Is it requires a shift in the practical day to day, the morning, and how that works out, and the afternoons. It requires a shift in, um, you know, if you're working full time, part time, whatever it might be. Transition. I like to call it a transition because change. When people think of change, they think, tend to think of something very abrupt. You know that if it's a change, that it's, it's completely out with the old and in with the new. Whereas it's a transition. You know, transitions are, give us time to process. So we don't just arrive at the school on the first day, throw the kid at the teacher, and say, "Good luck now," and everything's going to be peachy. There's a transition. So generally, that will start in the June before the school closes the previous school year. The teachers will have the kids come in, they'll meet the, the teacher, they'll meet the principal, they get a look at the layout of the classroom, they might get to wander in the yard, and it's made a positive experience. It's, it's priming, you know, we all love a bit of priming. You know, it's no different to getting up uh, before you go to bed at night, taking out the clothes and laying them out for the morning. Mm. You're priming yourself for, for kind of efficiency and productivity the next day. So we all thrive on a bit of priming, okay? Um, and so having that when the kids, before they come into the school on the first day, is brilliant. Through the course of the summer, you're getting the uniform, you're getting the school, but you're, that's all part of the priming. Let's try it on. Don't be leaving everything to the last minute. Don't be leaving everything that it is a massive change. Transition them into the experience. Now, it's not a bit late me telling you that now. On the 28th of, Mar- of October. Uh, October oh, there's still a couple of, of days. That's probably when for some. When some of the kids you know, have yeah, already I know started. That, yeah, yeah. Some of the kids went back last Wednesday and Thursday, especially in the post-primary sector. So it's about transitioning, you know. So you transition, you gently get back into the proper bedtime routine. You gently get back into the proper morning routine and getting them up, washed and dressed. No more sticking the telly on first thing and letting them sit there for an hour, having their, their, their mm-hmm. cocoa pops in front of the, the box. <laughs> It's up and out. and you, So you gently transition those things. The most important part is if you, have, if you, as the parent, have any anxiety over it. Now, whether it's your first, your last, your middle one, the one that's quiet, the one that's a bit boisterous, whatever is the cause or source of the anxiety that you might have, you need to keep it in your pocket. For the kids going in, you know, I say to people, there's nervous excitement on their part. There's anxious excitement on your part. Their nerves are the usual butterflies when something is going to, you know, something new coming along and it's an adventure. You're anxious because you're preempting all the things that might happen. Their brain doesn't do that. Your brain does. Because their brain doesn't do it, don't be putting it in there. Don't be given an inclination that there could be any reason why this wouldn't be an okay th- thing to do. Kids look to us for stability and safety. If we're given signals that there's something amiss, you can be guaranteed you're going to have a screaming match at the door, clinging to the legs, tears, fighting, the whole lot of it. And that's what you don't want. 
What you want is for them to feel totally sure and safe in the knowledge that you're handing them over to somebody else, that you're quite happy that they're going to be okay and have a good time. You can go home and gently rock in the corner and cry your eyes out for two hours if you want afterwards, but keep it in check on the morning and in the first week the same. And even going back after the Halloween and going back on a Monday after the first weekend because they're gas, they go in and they think this is great now. They'll do half days, you know, between now or uh, three or four hours, between now and Friday. And then comes Monday and they go, oh, I have to go back there. They, that doesn't always register with them that they have to go back. <laughs> so they're gas. So, so it's about just stand at a distance and watch and just see how they're taking it and you be led by how they're taking it. So don't have it the other way around such great advice listen I have to leave it there today thank you so much for those nuggets of wisdom you're fantastic and sure we'll see you soon in here and in come the here future. Jerry if anybody's having struggles with it or whatever I have a lovely free Facebook group yep. there um, called Sinead's Village anyone's welcome to join it pop yourselves in ask the questions more than happy to answer questions I love it Sinead's Village on Facebook she's there for you and that is just great and just to let you know it's professional coax not a coach professional don't coach a coax you along Coax. Oh, <laughs> it's a I play love on words. I love that. There you are. You are. You're the first professional coaxer I've ever come across. Good there on you. Go. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Bye, Jerry. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Sinead Kavanagh there with uh, words of wisdom. With school starting all round, she knows her stuff, that woman. I didn't expect to have John Halpin back in studio with me so quickly today. He was with us on Friday when the Leaving Cert results came out. He's principal of St. Oliver's Community College. But he did tell us that there was a student who achieved seven straight H ones and I'm delighted he's back with me today and he's brought her along Ishil Manawar welcome to Late Lunch thank you and welcome back John thank you very much thanks for joining me again Uh, Ishil John was telling us the story seven H1s maximum marks across the board what subjects did you do just Um, run through them I did maths English Irish the compulsory and then physics chemistry biology and Spanish which was the toughest maths for this year, definitely maths. <laughs> when you got the results, come on, you are a very good student. That's known anyway. Did you expect to get maximum across the board? For this year's Lehman, sir, it was really unexpected. And I definitely didn't think I was going to guess. I was hoping, I was thinking maybe 500 to 600. I wasn't yeah. thinking anything less. But I did not think 625. Like, I really didn't. Unbelievable to go right across the board. Uh, you were saying to me just before we came on, Matt's was the one that you yeah. were most dubious about. Everyone knows. It was like one of the worst papers ever. Harder than any mock, any deb, any. It was yes. really... How did you do in the mocks? Um, yeah, um, I was yeah yeah I got like five seventy overall in the okay. mocks I think, mm. um, and yeah I just I that yeah that was a bit of un- I was kind of uncertain from there, and I was like I'll just dedicate the last three months to fully focus on the Lehman sir, and it's better if you just dedicate at least three months with like you know nothing no social life nothing and then in the long term it'll really help. And that's what you did. Yeah, cut out all socialising yeah. and everything for three months. Yeah, like a good marathon runner, you see, yeah. John. You know what I mean? <laughs> Getting up near the twenty-six mile mark, but just yeah. making the twenty-six when the yeah. race is on. Yeah, was that tough to do? To say to your friends, listen, I'm out of here for the next while. Yeah, it was, but they really understood where I was coming from. Yeah, and like medicine, especially, is one of like the toughest courses to get into. So when I told them, they were pretty understanding, and I really appreciate that. 
So medicine it is for you and you have the points and it's yeah. a no-brainer when the CEOs is it Wednesday afternoon I think they're, yeah. they're out John yeah, yeah yeah so you're going to you have that really. yeah. that's in the can Yeah Is this what you wanted to do is this, yeah. was this what you want to do with your life yes Yeah um it was always something in the healthcare sector mm. um whether that be in Ireland or not I would love to do something in the healthcare sector yeah. um and I just thought medicine had everything like it just it literally has everything it has helping people which I re- I think is just like the best gift ever mm. um the pay is also really nice <laughs> <laughs> well it helps going, yeah. it helps young yeah. woman it certainly does yeah. um Obviously, you mentioned, you know, that, uh, you know, you dedicated yourself to this. In general terms, though, were you a, a bookworm? Did you dedicate yourself study-wise even before that three months exclusivity that you did? Yes, I did. Um, and I, I think I did it from t- probably the middle of fifth year where I realised, OK, leaving cert was like, not in a couple of months. It was like in a year and a couple of months. But I was like, I saw people's, when people, I saw people's results come out. And I just, it just, and like the reactions, I was like, I really want to be that. And I remember somewhere around fifth year, I used to go to, like, I didn't used to, but like, I, I went to hospitals and like just for, you know, gen- in general. And I was really interested in like how doctors move and like, I was just really keen. Then I looked into it, saw that you needed full, around full points. You don't, yes. yeah, you needed around there. And I was like, I'll just give it a go. And if it didn't work out, I had backup plans like, I, I would take mm. a gap year. I would try dentistry or maybe physiotherapy, something in the healthcare yes. sector. Yes. Medicine was just one of them. I was like, I'll try go full and see where it takes well, me. Well, you've gone full yeah. for sure. Tell me about you and your family background. Where are your family originally from? So my family are originally from Pakistan and my dad moved here in somewhere in the 2000s to do his PhD in physics, I think. Yes. Um, and he did it in DCU. And yeah, now he's a lecturer. And him, his like interest in physics really inspired me. I, whenever, whenever like, because I did physics for Leaving Cert, I found it really enjoyable when he was there at home to explain it to me, yes. teach it to me. And that, I think, was probably my favourite subject from Spanish and physics. Definitely them too. They were Another tough subject as well. Mm. Have you brothers or sisters? Yeah, I have a twin sister and a little sister, Daisy. Good on you. Are they clever dogs too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. runs in the family, you see. <laughs> yeah. And Mammy, what about Mum? Um, yeah, she yeah. she came here as well with my dad. Very good. Yeah, Very she works good. as well. Do you love, you know, this is, were They're, you born here? Were you all born here? Oh yeah, here? I was you born, here. born here. Yeah, we are all born here. Do you love this? Do you love this I re- place? Yeah, I do. And especially when I just, yeah, I love this place. When I, like, there's no other country that compares to it like when I go travel to different countries like I went to New York this year it was so busy it was a completely it was my first time in America it was a completely different lifestyle and I just realized when I came back to Ireland I just love I just really like Ireland so mm. much it's so calm quiet and uh, even when you're walking across the street ever yeah. someone's always smiling and saying hi or in New York it was nothing like that it was just it was just so you like the village yeah sort of I really like aspect the village. of Ireland I only realized this year that I liked there the you village. go yeah there you go we give out yards about it as you know at times and we are, we're always moaning and complaining John isn't she fantastic she's a real example of a, of someone who's come through your hands and your teacher's yeah. hands over there mm. in the school oh, well there's no doubt about it Jerry that the, the future is bright with, with young people like Asian and there are lots more of them right across our schools in this country yes. and, uh, we're all proud of them and all we do is, is guide them along the way and uh, uh, hope that they they will react and they always do. Uh, every all our expectations are exceeded with with the young people that uh, that come through our schools at this stage. Mm. And they're 
they're they're a real pride to us, to our communities, to their families, and uh, it's it's great to be able to celebrate uh, yeah. on uh, on occasions like this uh, to be able to, to be able to say well done mm. uh, because a lot of hard work, a lot of de- dedication. And this has been replicated right across classes and schools in the country. Yes. No question about it. It has indeed. Yeah. What about your friends when you got the results? You get the results online now. John yeah. was in here the other day and we're bemoaning the fact that people don't come to the school anymore. Yeah. So how does that work? You, you click and you open and you go, ah! yeah. And yeah. what happens then? How do you network okay. with the rest? Yeah. So the minute I clicked mine, my hands were shaking. I started screaming, oh my God. And I kind of froze and like, only time my dad came in to stop me from saying oh my god <laughs> and then I just ran downstairs and he was just looking he didn't know what I got he was just looking on the computer I didn't even say what I to- got to my dad I just wanted to call my mom immediately and um, my hands were shaking though because she was at work and like my mom was someone who's really supporting me throughout this whole thing and I really wanted to tell her first then once I got once my mom found out she, and yeah then I went to the friends and yeah they they actually they were like oh we expected it oh we're not surprised but they were really happy and just seeing them happy makes me so happy and makes me it just shows me that it was all worth it um yeah i say you went socialising did you after yeah, the results for sure yeah, to for make sure. up for those yeah. three months of and yeah. everything else around yeah, it yeah, yeah 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 for sure great time had by yeah. all yeah mm-hmm. You're fantastic. Thank you. You're fantastic. Good luck to you with all that life brings your way. Thank you. It's a wonderful, wonderful achievement. It really is to get a maximum. Seven H1s across the board. John, just before we finish, I do want to mention Clanmelon County Tipperary. My sister lives there. I'm familiar with the actual spot. That horrific accident happened where Mm. Nicole Murphy, Zoe Coffey, Grace and Luke McSweeney lost their lives on Friday. And you on this show on Friday, nearly your parting words to us was congratulations, but do take care. Yeah, it's an absolute tragedy, Jerry. No question about it. And and, uh, just the devastation that it causes in that community. And we all feel for them and feel for the community. And we all support in any way we possibly can. Uh, it's It's a... dreadful situation listen uh, thanks for saying those words John and we all join with you remember those children and their families today it is uh, a shocking time for them but may God be with them at this time God bless them thank you both for joining me I want to say again a big thank you to John Halpin principal of St Oliver's and Ishal Munawar top lady maximum marks it's the script you didn't break even that's for sure you top the lot young woman thank you Let's move along on the show this afternoon and I'm delighted to welcome uh, to Late Lunch this Monday afternoon the General Manager of SOSAD Ireland, Carol Murphy. Carol, very welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Delighted to be here. Thank you for joining me today. Well, you're here for a very specific reason uh, and it involves both counties, Louth and Mead. Tell our listeners, please. Um, well, under Healthy Ireland funding, uh, there was a lot of consultation done in both counties and part of the thing that people said they felt they needed more of was more inputs around mental health and positive mental health and more activities and things that they couldn't get involved in. So um, in both counties, Meath and Loud, so in Meath we have the the Mental Wellbeing Network and in Loud it's the Wellbeing Network. And so part of that, the programme is, is that we're putting together a resource pack for both counties. The thing to remember, I suppose, that we've all learned over the last couple of years is that 
when somebody has a mental health issue, it doesn't always need to be clinical and it doesn't always need to be therapeutic. And that sometimes if we if somebody can be pointed in the direction of a lovely walking group or a fishing group or some other activity that they feel they would like to get involved in themselves, that's equally as good for somebody's mental health to build up resilience, to build up their positive mental health, rather than to sort of say, oh, God, you need to go to counselling or you need to go to the hospital or you need to do this. Now, don't get me wrong. In some cases, that is the case. But in a lot of cases, maybe starting off with a little bit of anxiety. And we all know people more and more feel anxious now, particularly back out into the communities, back out socialising, school, work. We all have little we all have anxieties. And it's when those anxieties get out of control that we need to get some help. But help can be just finding an outlet. So if there was a walking group nearby that you could join, if it's somebody who feels that you're if you feel you're isolated at home, maybe don't have enough people to sort of chat through throughout the day, maybe joining a women's group or the men's shed, the women's shed, sister sheds. You know, there's so much (laughs) stuff out there that people can join. And I think what we're trying to do is identify where they all are in both counties to get a flavour of so that, you know, people would know where to go. So this once the pack is together, it'll be on the websites for both Loud County Council and Meath County Council. And we'll be also getting some copies printed out. But the really exciting part of that, the second part of that then is, you know, we all were saying to people, just reach out for help. Just ask. Just talk to somebody. But there are a lot of people in our communities that don't know who to talk to. They don't know where to reach out to. You know, when you go on websites, it can be very confusing for some people, including me. So what we're trying to do then is we're going to be training up what we're calling mental well-being champions and well-being champions who will have some training in understanding what mental health is, what mental illness is. And they will use this resource pack to help signpost people to different venues for help. We're not cutting out the statutory services either. Everybody's going to be asked to be involved in this. But it's also we'll make them aware that if it's something serious, people need to be referred to their GP or would need to be referred to the hospital. But this some in, in a majority of cases, sometimes just sort of saying to somebody, look, there is help available and these are the options we have for you. And if you want to contact this group or if you want, if you need to go there, this is how you do it. This is where you go. This is the phone number. This is the address. And it can be that simple or it can be that complicated <laughs> I know this sounds very No it's not, it's all making eminent sense may, may I say, no it is good. and oh, I good. like what you're doing, I really do like. and was I thrilled when you mentioned fishing because I'm an, an angler myself <laughs> and I've never, I've never actually considered it in the context of good mental health but now that you say it, because fishing is a thing you can do solitary yes. if you wish yes. but I think the great thing about fishing is the camaraderie exactly. that it, it, you know is there yeah, and, and, and I'm delighted you and the support it. you see you know you get support I remember years ago when I worked in Northern Ireland and we were trying to get men involved and stuff and we did a fishing group and it was probably one of the most successful things we've ever done yeah. and because it suddenly was like oh yeah we can go fishing this yeah. it's the man thing to do it's grand but you get that whole support you get the you networking do. you get the camaraderie and you've say. got to be resilient because the slagging <laughs> oh let me tell you Carol I could just imagine oh my god almighty and the lies that are told and everything but look it's just one example of so many uh, yeah. groups yes. and pursuits seriously yes. yeah. that, that there are out there yeah. I want to come back to these well-being ambassadors if I could call yes. them these people you're talking about yourself yeah. there 
what do I need? Or, or, or do I need anything? Do I need to be uh, have any qualifications? Do I need to be at a stage of life or what to be considered? Here? No, well, to be considered to be a well-being ambassador, you really need to be a person who is already out and about and has a little bit of confidence. Maybe you don't have to have lots of confidence, mm. but the training that will be put in place will help you because if you're out and about and you're meeting people, anybody, you would know if somebody if you see somebody a couple of times and you realise they're feeling a little bit low and we will give you the skills to be able to identify that maybe sometimes the hardest part is having that initial conversation of saying to somebody god i've seen you now for the last couple of weeks and you're not yourself and you seem to be a bit low is there anything we can do to help can we have a chat do you want to have a coffee and sometimes just breaking that ice and asking the question because we don't we're not good at asking questions Yes. You know, we're definitely not good at asking questions. We might say, hi, how are you? Is everything all right? And then we walk on, don't we? So this is the opportunity to go. I've noticed you're not feeling very well. You look like you're a bit low. Is everything all right? Would you like to have a chat? Would you like to have a cup of coffee? And then you have the skills to develop that conversation and to deal with it whatever way it runs and to be able to signpost. This is the whole thing. We're not training counsellors here. You know, we're training people to be able to identify if somebody's feeling a bit low and to be able to offer an advice or an opinion as where they might go for further help. They will also be able to rely on our sort of our 24 hour helpline network. If there was an emergency, nobody's going to be left stranded or anything like that. Mm. We link in with the HSC services as well. So we're trying to, if you like, put a like a safety net across County Meath and a safety net across County Louth so that more and more people will feel that they're not going to slip through, that there is help out yes. there and there's more and more people available to do it. And could you imagine I'm talking about people within the community, but, I, you know, with this this could be people within employment. You know, you could have somebody in, in like every job or every factory who has some sort of training like this. So then that we're constant, we're out there, we're bringing awareness to it. We're making it more acceptable for people to say, you know, I'm struggling a bit today. Mm. I'm having a low day yeah. or for somebody to come along and say, do you know what? I'm having a great day. I woke up, me personally, I woke up on Saturday and thought, oh, my God, I put my jewellery on and everything. I felt marvellous. And so you can have really good days and you can have really days where you just think, oh, God, I just really need to talk to somebody. I'd I just look, you know, there's something going around in my head. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to talk to. And that's where we're at. I like that, you know, and in places of employment, strategically placed in groups or organisations as well. And then you really are working your way out into the community. One thing as well I want to pick up on you said, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. How are you? I'm grand, actually. Thank you very much. (laughs) But, you know, that's it. Yeah. You know, when you yeah. the way you put it to me there, yeah. I could just see the way you're going yeah. a little bit. And that's just part of the process it here is, of becoming yeah. this, this ambassador. Can I tell you a funny story? I was on yeah. a holidays a couple of years ago and I met this guy who's originally from Italy. And he says to me, oh, I lived in Ireland for a couple of years and I loved it. He said, but it took me a while to get used to something. And I said, what was that? He said, you know, you walk down the street and you all go, hiya, how's it going? Are you all right? And he said, I used to go, oh, well, I'm not feeling great, but everybody would have passed by. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and that's it, isn't it? Typically, it is. you know. It is. But now we're, we're what we want people to do is when you actually say hello, how are you? That we're listening to the answer, and we know how to sort of 
answer the question. And it's like as well, you know, we talk about the mental health piggy bank. You have to do things for yourself to build up your own mental health, to build up your piggy bank so that in times of difficulty, it's there for you to rely on, that you have something there to draw on. So if you're constantly not looking after yourself and you're you're constantly running around like a blue ass, whatever, and, and you're up to your eyes and you don't take five or ten minutes every day to think about you and to sort of check and see how you're feeling. Well, then you're not investing in yourself and you're not investing in your own mental health, you know, and you're sort of you're doing yourself a dis. A, disfavour really because you need to build up your own resilience and your own piggy Mm. bank I love the whole idea of you know this mental health piggy bank and so you need to build that up don't you to be able to help other people as well and you know we touched on the angling fishing there are so many other pursuits as well sports etc clubs organisations Aren't they more important than ever to get us away from this little phone thing that's sitting here beside (laughs) me and just put it aside? Yes. Go out and, you know, smell the coffee. Exactly. Yeah. And even take 10 minutes out of your day to have an actual conversation. I mean, you can get very engrossed in social media and you can get hung up on all the different posts. And then, you know. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Some of it can be really a bad experience. People have very bad experiences on social media. So let's put the phone down for 15 minutes. Let's have a conversation. Let's look around us. Let's smell the roses. Let's have a coffee. Let's whatever we need to do to start, like, you know, rebalancing ourselves and investing in our own mental health as well. Do you find that, though, from your professional experience and with SOSAD and that that uh, it, it it is a major issue with young people that getting, you know, in Stepped into this world, drawn into it, taking everything as being reality. Sure, it's up the ante, hasn't it, when it comes to good mental health? Yeah, I'm not a counsellor, Jerry. I have Sorry, to say yeah, that yeah, directly your, up front. In, your, in yeah, my in my yeah, work yeah, experience yeah, and yeah. in my my life, my de- my daily life as well as my yes, life at yeah. work, I find people can get totally engrossed in social media, and you begin to think that what's on social media is real, and it's very hard. To you know, you can easily fall down that trap and it's very hard to get out of it because it, it your life sort of becomes focused on that social media, on that platform, on whatever it is you're watching or you're doing. And even to take the time to have a meal with somebody or to, you know, have a coffee. I, I'm going to be really honest. I was very guilty of this myself this weekend. I was sitting with my friend having a coffee and I took out my phone and started to do something. She says, what are you doing? She said, I'm sitting here talking to you. I said, I'm so sorry. It was just like my mind had gone off on something. And I thought I just checked that now. And that was my fault. I shouldn't have done that. And I have to be more aware. And I think we all have to be more aware. I think sometimes we do it subconsciously. Yeah, we I don't think, actually think about it. Yeah, it's just like And a, I think we have to reflex. be very, yes. Yeah. And I think it's a bit about, you know, putting it in your bag or putting it in your pocket and going, right, I'm sitting here having a coffee. I'm sitting, me and you, Jerry, are going to sit and have a chat and a coffee. No phones for 15 minutes and we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. I think you have to consciously make a decision about that mm-hmm. now. I think it's just 
because it's so ingrained in our society and the way we live that we we're, we're coming back to it's a bit like you know you used to just smoke and now everybody doesn't smoke because we're all aware that it's not good for us so you know we're so used to doing the phones looking at social media scrolling things not paying attention so maybe we need to sort of go no let's put that down mm. let's actually focus on what I'm doing here for 10 minutes I move meet a group of fellas on my own ilk on Wednesday and that is the thing there are no phones only if there's a blazing row <laughs> and something has, <laughs> has to, to be, be clarified oh, that, that has is to the be Googled. only time it's allowed <laughs> anyway before we finish will you tell our listeners about the initiative and where they can find out more information okay well there's more information at the moment we've been spreading the information out around the groups and organisations asking groups to contact us and um, to get in touch so we can add them to this resource pack so there's two email addresses that you can use one for Mead which is Mead H-I-F at sosadireland.ie and loud as loud H-I-F at sosadireland.ie but you can email either addresses or you can ring um, any of the SOSAD offices and they'll give you information or the number we're using is I will leave it for your website and then people can contact us. But really what I would love is that if everybody would get involved in this and send in the information about whatever group or organisation that you're with so we can get you all up on the resource pack. So then we give access to other people for that. And I'm talking about tidy towns groups. We've loads of residents associations have come through, which is amazing. So everybody, any group or organisation, we really want to know who you are, where you are, what you do very simple and the number is 083 yep 368 yep 8886 lovely and your 24 hour line number what is our that our 24 hour line is 1800 yep 901 909 lovely that's great we have those numbers there listen it's been a pleasure talking to you today. too it really has. you too and good luck it, I thank love this I really do thanks for thank joining me Carol much. Carol Murphy there from So Sad what about the banks? We're just coming out on our news there before I came on. I was listening to it. They're upping the rates. I've been talking about it here on the radio for a while now and they should up them. Well, Bank of Ireland have made the first move. They haven't broke their hearts, I tell you the truth, in the rates they're offering, but at least they've upped them. But it's quite simple. You know what should happen? The minister, the minister, Michael McGrath, or Michael McGrath, whatever you like to call him, it's very easy, Mr. Minister. The NTMA, the National Treasury Management Agency that manages the state savings, up the rates there, Minister. Up the rates and give them a nice lift. And you watch the bank scarpering at that stage to try and match the rates that you set. No holding back, Mr McGrath. Just do it now. NTMA rates up and let's see what happens. That'll soften their cough in the banks for sure, I can tell you. And we, the people, would like you to do that. For the little savers, the people who depend on the few pound interest, who've been getting nothing, nothing for years. Go and do that now, Minister. We'll remember you when it comes election time if you do it. And if you don't, we won't forget either. Remember that. It's very simple. It's a simple little equation, really. It really, really is. Staying in our head for our next guest, because Joe Tracy recently recently completed an epic Arctic trek, and he's on the line. Afternoon, Joe. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Joe, I'm just making up uh, and balancing things out in your family. You know what I'm talking about? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I share a face. <laughs> <laughs> I had your brother on, hadn't I? Yeah, he was. I think that was last year, was I? I can't remember, it but won't... yeah, no, he 
he met Prince Charles, so a bit more um, royal than what I'm about ah, to tell you. Ah, not at all. What a, your royalty now after what you did. But it's nice to balance it up on the family. Yes, he was on with me uh, about Charles, the time he actually uh, acceded to the throne. Now, tell us about this epic uh, Arctic trek, because you did it for a reason. Tell our listeners why you did it. Um, so I work for a company here in London, um, but our head office is in Dublin, actually. Um, called Salesforce and um, we get seven days a year to volunteer and a girl on my team she used to be in the Team GB Olympic team for rowing and I should have ignored her <laughs> but she asked me did, did I want to go on this trek across the Arctic for charity and I just thought it was a bit of a better way to use our volunteering days to be honest with you and I guess I was up for the challenge um, and, and I think ultimately it's a really great cause, so I was more than happy to do it. So um, I'm not going to lie, I signed up for it and purposely forgot <laughs> that I'd done as I signed up, but um, it, it came around pretty quick. And the great news is for the children's charity called Dreams Come True, you guys raised 45,000 euro, which is a fantastic sum of money. Absolutely brilliant. Congratulations to one and all. And that really will be appreciated by the charity. But here, young fella, to do this, what did you do to prepare? You just did, did you just arrive in the Arctic and away you go? Oh, God, no, God, no. It was, low. It was quite a bit of prep. Um, many uh, walk up the beach and car ahead. <laughs> I tell you, um, I, was, I was lucky I had it on my doorstep when I was home and stuff. Um, but yeah, like the kit you had to get was insane. Um, like special, special equipment. So there was a lot more of that, actually, that I had to prepare more than my feet. And like rather than like commute on the tube here in London when I was here, I, I was walking in and out uh, just to try and get used to the stamina. Um, but the thing I was most worried about, we were actually carrying our equipment, so we had them on sledges, and like wrapped around our torsos, and then we would drag them, and I was really worried that that would be just dreadful, but it was actually branch. <laughs> that was the easiest picture, they were sliding along like. So you did, you did prepare, you put in the exercise, you put in the time and upped your fitness level, but really, anything you mentioned there, does it really prepare you for 70 kilometers across the freezing arctic circle in finland pulling those sledges in minus 30 degrees no no and i, I what i found really hard was actually just the mental inside of it so like the first day it was the coldest day that they've had in weeks and i was oh jesus nobody's looking down at me today <laughs> um but um yeah just you, like you can't even take your gloves off um to like open a wrapper for like more than 20 seconds because you begin to it stings it's really bad so it just makes life more difficult even when you're trying to like get your tents ready and your sleeping bags and um, it's just everything's uh rigmarole um but no it was definitely a mental challenge to say the least and I, but it was pretty i i did actually start to say hail mary at some stage because <laughs> um, it was like it would never end because you're just walking and you don't you have no concept of how long you're you're going i think that I think the leaders who have done it loads of times, like they purposely don't tell you because it's nearly worse. So, like, you know, when you're little and you're just like, are we there yet? <laughs> yeah. But you mentioned the Lord a moment ago and now Hail Mary. So prayer and belief took you through. So it was done, you did it over three days, so you had to stop each night. I'm sure you were glad uh, to get indoors for a rest and a warm-up. Oh, God, yeah, but the central heating actually, like, it, it was nearly weird. I know it was only three days, uh, I say only, but... It was really, um, 
it stung your face because we hadn't had that kind of heat <laughs> in um, days. Yeah, but we got lovely hot chocolates. And, um, but in the evening, actually, it was good crack. Like, and it was actually ended up an Irish fella being on um, the trip as well from a, another company. Um, but we just couldn't even talk about Ireland for the first few days because we were just like kind of sh- shell-shocked, I think is the word I'd use. But um, yeah, the camaraderie and like the crack in the evenings is actually good and it does get you through. Mm. But the cold, nothing like that. My God Almighty, you couldn't. And, exp- and I grew up in Clarehead. I know. I know a bad wind. <laughs> oh, an east wind howling in <laughs> off the Irish Sea in Clarehead, young fella. You know what that's all about. It 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 shave a goat, but nothing like minus thirty. No, no, no. no, no. And I think like I, the thing that like really stands to me, like I just when I really think about it, like it was the sleeping overnight, like intense, like it was oh yeah it was just desperate and mm. um, like obviously you breathe when you're going to sleep um, but the, the the water from your breath like um, can like produce condensation at the top of the tent and it would become icicles and it would fall in the end of the night like and you just don't sleep well at all because <laughs> you're trying to really just keep warm um, but we had specialists uh, being, uh, sleeping bags and um, they were built to keep you warm up to minus 70 right. but thank god we didn't go that, go that low oh yeah well you uh, welcome them for sure so rather than de-icing you were icing yourselves during the night and you could chill your drinks if you wanted it from your own breath I'm just trying to imagine that here but it is it's important to say it was tents it was sleeping bags etc but it's amazing with the technology and heat retention what what they can do today uh, with what's on offer oh yeah no it's mad um, and if you, if you think it can't be done like it can um, but the, the guys who were leading our um, trip it was actually a Scottish fella he was brilliant um, he runs trips like across the Arctic he does the Himalayas he does a thing in Morocco that like mountains in Morocco so obviously the heat there would be insane he does a thing like up the mountains in Athens as well so at, at the end, you kind of do get a buzz from it because, A, you've done it, but you're then kind of thinking, oh, sure, what else can I do? But I think I won't be doing anything else like it again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not this decade. I have to ask you this. How did you manage when it comes to your waterworks and you had to, uh, you know, um, have a pee in minus <laughs> 30, please? Reluctantly, I think, like, is, is the honest answer. So, obviously, you're walking all day and we do have... Um, wee breaks um, but it's actually worse for women because like, they have to obviously manoeuvre a bit more than us uh, yes. fellas so it was definitely worse for them um, but then we'd had like little campsites that we would stop off at um, and they'd have like a kind of a hole in the ground basically but there'd be a bit of a wood <laughs> a wooden hut over it so that was luxury um, but yeah not enjoyable and reluctantly I think I'd say <laughs> yeah a wee break that's a new one on me it used to be a tea break a wee break now and of course the boys <laughs> can to a degree let it hang out a bit but things um, in cold weather shrivel up too and it's not that easy it has to be said but there you go I could just picture it freezing in mid go you know what I'm talking about as you go it yeah, just I, I freezes immediately anyway you got rounded one way or, or or the other. Um, what was the highlight? If you, if you think of the three day, I know it was tough and it wasn't easy and we don't underestimate it at all. What what do you take, what did you take back, say, as your highlight from it? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I think the fundraising, um, like, I, I did dread doing the fundraising, if I'm being honest with you, because uh, it's a lot to ask people, especially um, with the cost of living crisis and things like that. But um, 
the high, one of the highlights was actually just how generous people were and, and the money going to a really good cause. So it does really warm your heart. And like people in Ireland, like particularly family, were brilliant. Um, and then the highlight itself, I guess the completion of it, like you do, you are just delighted with yourself when you see the finish line. Um, and they do make a bit of a deal of it. Like you actually do cross a finish line. They take pictures and give you a little medal and stuff. So that, that's that for sure. Um but like it's just I will never do it again, and I I mean that in a positive way though. Like it's it's a once in a lifetime experience, mm. so that was probably the main highlight for me. Um, but I recommend would I recommend to people? Ah, yeah, you have to give these things a go, don't you? you yeah. It's the things you'll remember in your deathbed. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It is a memory you'll always have with you. I'm just thinking we're yakking away today, and I live in a world of talk and noise and that as well. And you do where you work there in the city of London. Silence. Was there a thing about the silence? Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, and actually, I we all, well, most of us, but a few people with kids kept their phones on, but I didn't. I left my phone completely off, um, and I told everybody I'd be off the grid for three days, and that actually was another highlight. Um, it's so nice to be just offline for a bit, because, as you say, like we're so glued to our phones and noise, aren't we? Mm. Oh, we are indeed. So, done and dusted, ticked off the bucket list uh, and uh, a memory forever, absolutely. Uh, how long are you in London with Salesforce? Uh, I've been in London, this is actually, I'm here over 10 years, which are is you? mad, but I did, come, I did come home for the pandemic, so I tried to take two years off that. Mm. Um, and then, but I've been with Salesforce nearly two years, so um, they've got a big office now in the Keys in Dublin. Yeah, they have a big uh, force here. I know that in Ireland. We have a song, I think, lined up here for you, have we? I think we have a song lined up for you here uh, that maybe sums up you and what you've just done. Yes, we have indeed. I'm going to play this one for you, dedicated to you. Congratulations to you and all that uh, completed the trek for that wonderful charity, Dreams Come True for Children, Making Dreams Come True for Children Who Are Ill. This is for you, Joe Tracy, from back home to you all the way in London. It's Miss Gloria Gaynor, and he did survive. He did indeed. Thanks a million. See you. Take care. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Oh, Clotterhead rules this afternoon on late lunch. We're heading to the seaside village again because I'll tell you why. A litter survey of Ireland's coasts and inland waterways showed that many of the country's most littered areas have improved over last year. However, the IBAL uh, survey uh, shows that the majority of our beaches are falling short when it comes to cleanliness. But not so to our head. It's among the stars in Ireland, clean to European norms. And joining me is Glenn Gorman, chairman of Clarehead Development Group. Afternoon, Glenn. Good afternoon. How are things? Uh, very, very good. Well, this is a joyous uh, outcome, isn't it, for Clarehead Beach? It's great news, yeah. Just it's thanks to all the effort put in by everyone who visits the beach and the local people and local communities who help out and take care of us and regularly go down and visit us and partake in everything that's good about us. So you saying to me that the groups, individuals, visitors have all bought into the fact that we gotta keep this beach clean. They're good. The message has got through. The message has got through. We've signs up on the beach which were updated there by the local girl guides group who raised funds to paint and, and get the mess across to take your litter home. 
We've got local people that go down regularly and pick up the litter and bring it back to the bin. And then our visitors also, when they're leaving, take the rubbish with them. Uh, and then we do annual beach cleans and we link in with the Clean Coast and also the Clean Village Group who help regularly take care of the beach and, and the areas around it. It's a great shot in the arm, may I say, and I was delighted to see the name come up among the stars. And I want to mention something. You mentioned about individuals, and I there are so many contributed to this, but I've got to mention one man, because I've been hearing all day his name crop up in dispatches. His name is Peter Kirk. PK, yes, as he's known, yes. He's now a real asset to the village. He's constantly on the beach picking up rubbish, uh, going around and... All the tanks goes out to him. He he does us without looking for any tanks or without any praise. But like him and like others, he leads the way to help keep the beach and the village clean. So it's great. Is he twice a day? Is this true that he goes down early and late and he fits that in around his, his own day? He does, yes, yeah. And it's a little bit of rubbish that he picks up and takes with him, goes for a walk and exercise at the same time. So it's all good. Good for him and good for the village. And all we need now, uh, Glenn, is the Indian summer. Come on, September, let the sun shine. Get rid of this nonsense of a summer we've had and people can go for themselves and experience what it's about. That's it. Come down and visit the village. It's brilliant. There's loads here. Tea, coffees, ice creams, plenty of places, and even go for a swim. You know, it's beautiful beach. Great, clean and your work extends back from the beach as well, I know, because you mentioned there you're active around the village. Yes, we look after uh, maintaining the village and litter pick. We've guys going around litter picking every day around the village, and then we keep the flower beds and the greens and the graveyards and the village just looking nice and clean and uh, do a bit of painting around if we can in certain areas, as, as you'll see from some of the murals we have in the village as well. Well, congratulations, Clarehead. We were there a few weeks ago on a Tuesday. Keep up the great work and well done to one and all. Thank you for joining me, Glenn, today. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank Not you. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye. And while we're on the subject of seafronts and beaches, we conclude our coasting along on late lunch tomorrow. Where are we? We're in Carlingford. On the way into the village there, on the right-hand side, the Heritage Centre is there. We will be there with the OB unit, myself and uh, Brian uh, Farley will be in Carlingford tomorrow with the show and we have lots of interesting guests but if you're in the area do call and say hello we love to hear from you people calling in and it's been great for the uh, last few weeks we've been out in Clarehead, Black Rock and of course Late Town last week now I have a wonderful prize this week on Late Lunch a table for six at the four star Pila Hotel and Spa in Ashburn for the Christmas party night it's worth over 400 euro it'll take you back to the 80s and 90s and if you want to check out more about the big nights at Christmas time the party nights at the Pilo uh, log on to pilohotelashburn.com forward slash Christmas parties so we're qualifying one person through each day on late lunch and then we draw on Friday here's today's Christmas number one who's singing it ah brings back memories doesn't it 1996 to become one from the Spice Girls. That's the answer I was looking for. The Spice Girls this afternoon. And going through to Friday's draw is Anne-Marie Neary 
from Muller. Well done to you, Anne-Marie. You got it right. And loads of other people did as well. There'll be more chances tomorrow through to Friday. I'll be uh, playing a Christmas one and asking you who is singing the song. Incidentally, the Spice Girls had three in a row. 96 was to become one, followed in 97 by Too Much and 1998 by Goodbye. There were three successive Christmas number ones for the Spice Girls. They were huge, it has to be said. Now, let's do this on Late Lunch. Five, four... Three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number one from this week in 1998. And it was their debut single, I can tell you, released on August 24th as the lead single from their debut album called Wonder Number no. 8. It was the most successful single in the UK and worldwide, peaking at number 4 in the singles charts in Britain. So it just went up one more place in our top 5 countdown. Here it is, the number 5 from this week in 1998. Do you remember it? It was big at the time. It's the Honeys. And finally found number five on your late lunch. Number five in our top five countdown from this week in 1998. It's the honeys there. And finally found. And we go four, three, two, one, of course, for the rest of the week into Friday. Again, reminding you we're in Carlingford tomorrow afternoon and if you want to drop by and say hello to us, we're near the Heritage Centre there and we'd love to see you and say hello and if you want to play a request, pop in and say hello. Myself and Brian Farley are there tomorrow afternoon, our final August foray along the coastline, coasting along with late lunch tomorrow, Tuesday. Up next on the show, Darren McCullough is out and about on his farm, Elm Grove Farm and we're going to join him in a moment. Wouldn't I just love to swap places with Dara McCullough at this moment in time and have the boots of the wellies on out in the farm? Dara, good afternoon. Afternoon to you, Jerry. Well, you are out on the land, aren't you, at the moment? Yes. I am. I'm literally walking through one of the paddocks that the cows were grazing yesterday evening and uh, just looking at them coming past me now, heading out the, the first couple of batches from the afternoon milking. So all is good in the hood. It's been a tough old year for farming, you know, with... Uh, such a wet uh, period during the summer, uh, the early summer, and then a kind of a drought. And uh, but now we're kind of in a sweet spot, whisper it. But uh, things are we're just in that kind of Goldilocks zone at the moment. No, oh, long may that continue because it has all over from most people's perspective been a challenge, and particularly for yourselves. Now, talking about joining up the dots in the farm, you are a mixed farm, as we know, and the milk, that beautiful milk from the cows, will we be seeing it in Elm Grove farm shop soon? That's the plan. That's the plan. So uh, we. Over the last six months, we uh, built a shop on the farm and uh, we've had a great reaction from the public and fairness to it. And we've put in a little coffee cart in there. And, you know, originally I built the shop. uh, The idea was for selling the flowers because we've been selling Mm. flowers direct from the farm for years now. But uh, then it it takes a little while for the pennies to drop in my head, Jerry. (laughs) But I realised, oh, hang on a second, we're selling coffee. And the thing that people don't really realise until they get into the business, when you're selling coffee, you're actually selling milk more so than you're selling coffee because it's all the lattes, the cappuccinos and the flat whites and, you know, yourself. And uh, so it's a great opportunity, actually, for us to showcase 
some of the products that we're making on the other side of the farm. So yeah, uh, milk is, is definitely a project in the pipeline. And our milk that we produce, it goes without saying, With you mentioned the paddock there, the green grass, and it's lush at the minute with the rain and what a, a lovely resource is. That goes directly to the milk and what we taste. It's the best in the world. So we can claim that, can't we? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd certainly, I, I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, I'm actually just in the process of showing my uh, American cousins around uh, the farm here at the moment. And, you know, the contrast between Irish dairy systems and the vast majority of dairy systems that you'll find anywhere else in the world is pretty vast. I mean, the idea that uh, our cows are out basically 10 months of the year, graze and grass, uh, is uh, just alien to most farmers. Uh, you go to your holidays to France, maybe, or to Germany, you won't see cows out in the fields. It's not that they're in a terribly different climate, but the system is to keep the cows inside and bring the feed into the cow. Now, I'm not saying that system is bad, but I think we all feel that, you know, the closer we can get uh, have our food systems to nature or the natural state, uh, it, it, it definitely makes people feel better about the food they're eating. So, I think Irish people can be, I mean, dairying is not without its controversial aspects in Ireland at the moment in terms of nitrate derogations and uh, lots of pressure on our water quality and lots of fingers being pointed at our uh, farming systems and particularly our dairy systems. But, you know, I can only speak for my own farm. I, I'm walking along a laneway here. I can see we've changed the slopes in the last 12 months so that, you know, you used, back in the good old days, you used to build a laneway alongside a ditch so that the muddy water could run off the laneway into the ditch. Now we don't want uh, pollutants going into the ditches, so we've changed the slopes of the lanes so the uh, rainfall or water runs off into the fields. So it's all those little changes that you won't hear, you won't see on ear to the ground, you know, it's not really, you know, rocket science, but they are all these small little changes that I feel are going to keep Irish milk one of the most sustainable products in the world. Good on you, and all those things help. That That is for sure. You moved the shop, as you said, from the old Dublin Belfast Road there. You had a temporary uh, set up there with the flowers and that. You've gone back a little towards Julianstown and just off that road there, and I, I passed it several times. It looks really fabulous. I'll have to pay you a visit. Uh, customers have followed you. Yeah, no, we've been so grateful to the customer base that we've built up over the years because I was pretty nervous about it. You know, the reason that we started selling flowers there at that at the white gates as I call them was because they were so it was such an easy place people didn't have to think twice it was an impulse uh, buy they could pull in they didn't even have to get out of their cars we were basically the Ireland's first drive through florist <laughs> <laughs> um, so they could stick the hand out through the window and get a bunch of flowers and away they went no hassle at all but we I suppose as, as time evolved and we've been at it for nearly 20 years but you know We've gone from a point where people were stopping to buy, the only thing they could buy from us was a two-euro bunch of daftos. Only last week we had a customer who bought a 200-euro bouquet of flowers. Now, look, that's a different shopping experience, right? So we have to be able to move with our customer base. We had to give them a place where they could get out of their car safely, park, have a look around, see what we had to, to offer. And we couldn't do that at the gate. You couldn't hear yourself think that, traffic tundrum by so we've come around the corner onto what I call the Bedlestown Road and it's literally 100 yards off the, the main road you can still see it from the main road but um, it's given the scope to you know develop a car park and we have a little 
as I say, a little coffee cart there. And, you know, all the things are starting to join up now. We're able to use the milk from the dairy farm, please God. We'll have the uh, eggs from the hens going into our little baked treats. Um, you know, who's to, who's to say we won't be able to start uh, growing wheat that we can turn into bread and pancakes and maybe even pizzas and offer that in the future. And that's what people are looking for. They're looking for experiences rather than just purchases. So, uh, we're really excited about uh, how things are going and we've got a really fabulous reaction from the public. Oh, great to hear. I'll let you away there with the relations. Don't hold them back. I'll be up to see you before pumpkin time, all right? We're waiting for you, Jerry. There'll always be the door open for you. <laughs> Dara, nice to talk to you today. Take care. Good on you. Bye-bye. 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 That's Dara McCullough there from here to the ground. Journalist, farmer, you name it. Like him, he really is a good guy and he's a good friend of ours too. Elm Grove Farm on the way to Dublin, the old road. That's it on Late Lunch this afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the show. Big thank you to Eamon Doyle, who guided me through the last couple of hours. Carlingford, I'll mention it again tomorrow with Late Lunch, out and about. Give us a shout. We'd love to see you and have a chat and play a request for you. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. See you at 1.30 tomorrow. It's Boy's Own to say goodbye on Monday. Our love has changed.